G'day and welcome to another edition of the Two Dogs Podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier and Doggies fans are in for a treat in this episode because we have two of our great West Australian imports from the 80s. We had some good ones, Tony Bahadja, Alan Daniels, Brad Hardy, but today you will meet Andrew, well you'll meet again, Andrew Purser and Jim Sewell. The number one and number two jumpers they had in that halcyon part of the 80s. They arrived in 1983 uh, with much fanfare, had both been premiership players in the West. Uh, Both uh, were very, very highly rated uh, and uh, we got them, uh, well, you'll find out how we got them, surreptitiously in some ways, but uh, we got them and that's all that matters. Polly Purser and Jimmy Sewell to join me to have a chat in just a sec. But I do want to thank our fabulous past players, sponsors. And if you're in the victory room or hopefully soon the Danvers room uh, for the uh, rest of the 2023 season, uh, you'll see Justin from PFG Australia. You'll see Dave from Midway Concrete and Garden Supplies, Dave from Flash Fabrications and Noel from Tosca. They'll be there because they're great supporters of the club. We thank them for their great support, uh, getting behind the past players as they have done for a number of years now and I'm sure will into the future. So enjoy now uh, Polly Purser and Jimmy Sewell having a chat from Perth. Can I start by saying, I just had a look at that 1979 East Fremantle Premiership team. Wow. Yeah, the, there was there was a few that few that went on from there. There was we actually had a '77 Grand Final. We lost two, where a, a, a few guys went um, went over east from there. But from '79, yeah, Polly, um, myself, say so Budge, Peaky, um, Judgy, Rod, Rod Smith, Smith yeah. rattle a few off more Polly, um, Taylor. Kevin Taylor. Well, Doug Green had Doug Green had played. He, Doug had, Green had played. Mario Turco yeah. had a had a go. Um, mm. There were um, yeah, quite a few. Hell of a team. Yeah, no wonder you won. Yeah, although um, South Fremantle had a pretty. They had some pretty solid. They had a guy called Morris Rioli playing in the centre, and <laughs> Stephen Michaels, and um, probably a few others. If I. <laughs> Joe McKay, Benny Vagona, all those sort of guys. Yeah, they were. Actually, I don't know what the betting was. Can you remember, Jimmy? Were we? They were probably favourites because we we finished fourth and we had to beat we beat East Perth in the, in the first semi. They were they were probably favourites, I'd say. Weren't they? Yeah, I think. I mean, we went in in good finals form, but yeah. um, you know, we'd had big games with them during the year with you know those twenty two thousand crowds at Freo yeah. and, and East Freo, and they'd been close games, so. Yeah, they, look, they probably did start favourites. Yeah. We had a reunion for that, Kev, uh, 2019, a 40 year reunion. So we caught up with uh, everyone. It was good. Or oh, Jimmy, actually, Jimmy and Budge organised. It was a good day. Uh, good we idea. had a record crowd there. I think they had 55,000 or something. But now, with the grant, well, CV Oval's not even there now, but. It was um, it was a big day, a big derby. Yeah, no, it's good. But the actual Kev, the um, the Fremantle train line had actually closed. Uh, you know, a government decision. I, I think maybe well during that year anyway, six months before or something, they had to put it back on for that day to get get the crowd up there. <laughs> Fifty five thousand at Subi was was the record. You know, before they knocked the stands down. Yeah. Wow, jeez. There's always been a lot of talk about you know how hard it was for South Australian blokes to leave South Australia and come to Melbourne. A lot of them didn't like Macintosh and that. There's never been much talk about how hard it was for the West Aussies to to leave what was obviously very successful, healthy and and terrific football competition to, to come to Melbourne. So was that playing on your mind why you didn't go, Jim, or was yours a business reason why you took so long to come over? 
Yeah, mine was a bit mixed. I mean, I dated Shane O'Sullivan a year on my um, age forms uh, until he saw my passport when we went to America and eventually worked out I was a year older than he thought. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I signed with Carlton um, in 1977. Early on, I signed the old Form 4 that they used to have, so I was committed to, to them for a while. Um, but then, yeah, went into a squash court and we sort of, East Fremantle were going well at that stage when I'd signed that in sort of 78, 79. And then we, we had about three lean years and um, Shane O'Sullivan was knocking on the door. He'd moved from Carlton to Footscray and I, you know, sort of had to have a look on the map and see where Footscray was. Uh-huh. <laughs> but as it turned out, you know, when we got there in 83, that, that year, that was... Um, you know, there was just so many new faces and old faces at, at Footscray at the start of 83. It was, um, you know, it was quite an exciting period of time. Yeah. Polly, now, just in reading, I didn't know this uh, until I read this today, you were actually in one of the original kind of drafts that was done. Before- yeah, well, it was the second, second year of drafting. 1981 was the first year and Alan Johnson, a guy who went to Melbourne, was the first picked in round one in 81. And then uh, it was sort of in 82, I was second round. And actually, as the story goes, Ian Bluey Hampshire came over, you know, to talk. Actually, Brian Cousins, Ben Cousins' dad, sort of scouted me because he, Bluey Hampshire played at Geelong originally with Brian Cousins. Anyway, so Brian, he asked Brian, do you know any West Australians, you know, Ruckman type guys? And Brian Cousins did a bit of a scouting. So, he, you know, Hampshire came out, Ian Hampshire. God love him. He's gone to God now. I think hasn't he? Probably. Yeah, um, yes. He came over and said, uh, "Oh, Brian Cousins said you, you know, you, you're a likely type." And he said, um, "We're going to, we're going to pick you. Probably pick your second round." And I said, "Oh, okay, that's fine, Bluey, because um, we've got another guy in, in uh, mind." And there was this. I don't know if you've read about it. It's a bit of a Gary Shaw, a West Australian. Collingwood wanted him, and Nick Collin was playing a bit of a game. They were down the races or something, and the, one of the Collingwood chiefs said, "Oh, well, you don't want Gary Shaw." And then Nick Collins, said, "Yeah, yeah, why not?" He said, "Well, we want him." He said, "Oh, well, you know." <laughs> anyway, apparently, what happened? Collingwood paid off Coll- um, Footscray, who had finished twelfth in '82. They paid them off. It was totally wouldn't happen now, of course. And um, St Kilda got a few bucks, and Collingwood picked Shaw at um, at, at, at their thir- at third period. They were tenth. So anyway. I was just going off to work in the morning and Shane O'Sullivan rang and I answered the phone and said, G'day, Andrew. He said, congratulations, we've just drafted you. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> How did I get picked up? Because North Melbourne and Melbourne were going to pick me first round. And he said, oh, no, we were just uh, – there was a story behind that and I'll tell you about it. And I said, oh, fair enough. So then I went off to work. Anyway, about two or three days later, Shane and Nick Colm came over and sort of gave me the story unofficially. He said, look, there's, we're always going to pick you round one. But um, – it, uh, we had to play a little bit of a game with Collingwood. So, anyway, <laughs> that's how it worked out. And then I think the next year, um, all the clubs, funnily enough, all the clubs were st- the, the AFL was, or the VFL in those days, was still run by the clubs. Each they had, you know, board of directors or was all run by the various clubs. And of course, in 83, Collingwood, Carlton, and all the heavies said, no, shit, we don't want this bloody draft crap. We don't get any good players around. So we're not getting the best pick of the players. So they kicked it out for about three years. So I think in 84, 5, 6. And then Collingwood, Carlton actually went and, and then signed, um, you know, Motley, Bradley, Kernahan, <laughs> um, uh, probably Doritich. And funnily enough, they won the uh, grand final in 1986. So yeah, no, I was first round pick in 82. 
And, yeah. and Polly, Polly, those names you just tossed up then, one, one Shane O'Sullivan would have had the pen then. Well, true that. I mean, uh, they won in 82, didn't they? Then that Shane, uh, Dr. Capes actually recruited, he recruited um, the president of uh, Bulldogs, recruited Shane over as the general manager. He came over and he, and Shane gave us this, you know, and said, look, I love West Australians. Ken Hunter's put me on my, you know, he's been fantastic. We know I'm just going to concentrate on getting a lot of West Australians over because I reckon if I get West Australians, I, I won't go too bad. So consequently, there was a few of us across the border then. We had um, Jimmy, myself, Hardy, you know, Shorty Daniels. Ian Williams. Williams, yes. So I think, in the, and then Jimmy said, the first game we played Geelong, the first game of 83, I think it was about nine new players. I, I, we played Geelong at Waverley, and I reckon there was 12 that hadn't played for for Footscray. Like there was a few seasoned campaigners like um, Chris Hansen and um, oh, Mark Kellett, those sort of guys, but there were... And then there were the Andrew Purses, the Sewells, the, I think Ian Williams was probably in that game. And then there were these, you know, no names from the country, Stephen Wallace and Brian Royal and <laughs> I think later on Michael McLean. So, yeah, there were some good players came through. We sort of we had a good group of guys going through. We finished seventh in 80, I think 83, did we? Then 84, five, you know, sort of things got going for us, which was good. Was it easier for you both because you had a uh, a pretty good body of work behind you? I mean, uh, I think, Paul, you played, what, 80-odd games for East Fremantle yeah. before you came over, and, Jimmy, you were uh, over 100, I think, by the time you got over here. Yeah, I, I guess so. It was funny thing was, um, you know, we played in a premiership in 79 and then a few years had gone by with East Fremantle not having great success. And when we got there in 83, I think there was a – a fire fundraiser game out at Waverley that for the um, bushfires and unfortunately um, young Teddy Whitten did his knee in it. It was against Collingwood and Andrew and I didn't play. We they you know, technicalities they hadn't cleared us. But so the first games of '83, for example, trying to remember, Geelong out there at Waverley, and then we played Carlton, Richmond, Melbourne at the Western Oval and at MCG and. This guy, Andrew Purser, that I knew was an okay player, but he was running around like he had an extra leg in those first few games <laughs> that we played at that start of the year. I, I kept looking at guys and saying, I didn't know he was this good. <laughs> I think one of the other rules, Kevin, was in those days, players coming across on the draft had to be 24 years of age, had played 100 games or five seasons. So you weren't mm-hmm. actually getting players. You know, now some players are 17 or 18 years old, clearly they're, you know, they, as you, you know, they've probably still got a few years of development, like maybe even Eugle, you know, um, Jamar, he's a young guy with us, you know, he's got a couple of years of work to do. But Jimmy and myself, as, you know, we'd already played four or five years at, you know, at Waffle Footy, so we were, we were probably, you know, we didn't have too many excuses, really. <laughs> well, you both hit the ground running. I mean, uh, as Surly pointed out, uh, Polly, you made a, an instant impact what, did you? How many games did you miss in the time you were here? Was that, is, it, is it one that you missed I out of the whole lot? I got suspended for hitting Brian Taylor. Would you believe? <laughs> I still believe. I'm still claiming innocent. What's his name? James. The umpire James booked me. Anyway, it was Glenn a, James. Yeah, Glenn James booked me. And anyway, it was a funny story. We were in there because you used to be able to hear what the what they were what they were saying when you did your did your your evidence. Then that you'd go outside and you could you could lean against the the uh, petition to hear. One guy wanted me for four weeks. One guy wanted me for two. And they go, so I'll let him off. So they say, oh, we'll give him one. But anyway, I got one week for hitting Buddy Brian Taylor. But 
people say well, you should have hit him harder. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might have got off completely if it hit him properly. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that, that was. And then I was pretty lucky with injuries. Yeah, and I was. I had a couple of corkies and stuff, but most of the time. But by the time I'd finished, because I mean Mick was good to me. I mean he used to. We only had really one ruckman running in those days. I was, you know, I definitely wasn't allowed into the forward line. Sully used to kick me out of there, so get the hell out of there. <laughs> but we used to play that sort of, you know, kick behind the play type thing. I don't know if you could even do that nowadays. But um, so, I, you know, and by the time I played five years, six years on the ball, I was absolutely gone. I was, uh, I was blown up. So I said to Mick, I got, I'm hit. I'm, I was 29. I retired. He said, mate, you can't really retire anyway. He rang me up every week for about a year, and then it, then I think he realised it was you know he gave it away. But mm. we you know we had, we had five great years at the Bulldogs. We still kept in touch with a lot of the guys in that era, so it's been a it was been a great uh, you know it was great. I think Kev, those um, Polly, you know you you probably shrunk a bit like me now, but I mean you'd be six foot four at, at very best. Um, in those years that he was rucking, he was up against the. The Maddens and the Mark Lees and the John Mossops and the and the Rod Blakes and the you know all these guys that were six foot eight that he was rucking against week in week out and I think that's you know part of the credits due to Polly that he he was always conceding height. Yeah, yeah, well it's quite amazing who you played against. Uh, so you had a you had a good run in terms of games in the the eighty three eighty four eighty five was really good. You probably think you played every game and then eighty six you the, the back kicked in and gave you buggery. Yeah, had some bulging back disc problems at the start and, you know, missed, uh, I think I played the first five and then I missed the next eight or something like that and then struggled to get back into the side at the end of, of, of 86 there. Um, but, yeah, to the end of 85, um, had had a lucky run, hadn't missed a, hadn't missed, yeah, hadn't missed a game in those yeah. three years. Um Used to, used to put up my hands. Funny, Polly was saying, I told him to get out of the forward line. I played... Um, Oh, of the 75 games, I would have played 65 in the back line. So <laughs> I used to be putting my hand up saying, hey, I used to play in the forward line. Hey, Wayne, Wayne Walsh, remember me? <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are your both memories of the 85 season? Because it's the one that, you know, we supporters talk about all the time as the one that got away. Sort of when you look back on 85, what's your, what's your memories of it? They're pretty clear in a lot of ways because I remember – we were five from nine at the start. We'd, I know we'd had about a five-goal loss to Melbourne out at Waverley. They weren't that good. And we turned at, at five wins out of the first nine games, which was nothing fantastic. You know, the top teams were were, were Hawthorne, Essendon, Carlton, North Melbourne, you know, allegedly maybe Richmond. But we, we beat Collingwood at... Um, at uh, the MCG one day there, and I remember that was a, a fun game, and that kicked us off. We won, that was round nine. Um, of the next 13, we won 12, 12 other than, out of the next 13. So it was a, a fun run, and that was into the finals. First final, we managed to knock off North Melbourne. Then we got touched up by by Hawthorne, who'd, who'd lost to Essendon. We got to have another crack at them. Um, i trying to remember, out of Waverley, didn't we, Paul? That year we'd beaten Essendon. We seemed to match up okay with them, but Hawthorne were always our bogey side. Holly, your your memories? Yeah, I think uh, surely. I mean, he's got the stats. It was um, actually Hawke always says he reckons if we got in the grand final, we would have beaten Essendon because he, <laughs> he we had their measure. But um, I think we beat him out. I think we beat Essendon out of Windy Hill, didn't we? Surely early in the year. Well, we th- that that year we beat him at home at the West Noble. The year before we beat him out oh, at Windy Hill. Before, yeah. um, but it's funny, Budgie takes issue there. He reckons that Essendon would have beaten us, that they had a better side if we'd 
played them, but we 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 just we seem to match up well against them. No, I mean, it was a great run. I think, how many, did we win 18? I mean, remember Neil Cordy, was, we always used to sit together in the in the briefing room and Neil just kept on shaking his head. I can't believe how many games we've won this year because I think he'd been through a pretty yeah. dry period in um, in in the earlier part of his career at Bulldogs. So, yeah, no, look, it was good. And then I think even, uh, I think we even had some regrets on the day at Hawthorne. You know, there's a few things that perhaps we could have done, yeah. like, should have, could have, would have. Yeah. Um, would have might have got us into a grand final. Then on the day, you never know against Essendon. So I can't remember anything else. You know why? Why we? I think it was Jimmy Edmund was still with us then, wasn't he? he was, yep. Yeah. yep, yep. But he was pretty tough up forward, and we had a pretty good team. Yeah, no, it was good. I think everyone. And then we had hadn't had much success. The club hadn't had much success for a period of time. So everyone's, you know, we had a lot of, you know, all the supporters were on board, and it was a good. Uh, yeah, it was a great year. And, and Pyman kicked a hundred, so if you're going to have a full oh, yeah, kick, yeah. kicking, kicking a hundred, that's going to help you. Yeah. So you had a hundred hundred uh, goals from Pyman. You had a, a Brownlow medalist. So what did you blokes know about Brad before Brad came over? <laughs> um, not not a hell of a lot. Um, I look back one one time. I looked at the results of a state game over in WA. You know when we were in Victoria, and the Simpson medal had been won by. I didn't know whether it was Paul Harding or Brad Hardy. I couldn't remember which which one. No, look, Mickey Egan and, and the Cordy's Brian and that will always joke that, you know, they were covering Brad's man while he was heading off downfield, you know, chasing kicks. And he did have a few interesting theories, like the one where, he, you know, you if you, you don't necessarily follow him on the way up, you get him on the way back. But that that didn't all, that that tactic didn't always cut because the ball could be flipped over your head or whatever. But oh look, there's there's no doubt Brad didn't. No one knocked Brad over. He was like Lee Matthews, like that. He didn't lose his feet. He didn't get knocked over. And look, I was surprised on the night that he won the Brownlow. But hey, when you look at it, you know he he did it, and that's that's fact. Yeah. Playing that in that '79 Grand Final, so I think he might have been. I think he was just, he was just coming into the South team then, wasn't he? He may not yeah, have. Been. I'm not even sure if he was in it. I, yeah, because I think he was a bit younger than Kevin, so we didn't see him at. You know, we didn't come across him in Perth as a. You know, as, as a development. He's just coming in really as we were leaving. So, yeah. and then he had four or five good years, or three or four good years, and came into into uh, Bulldogs. So, I mean, he he was he was good for the club and gave it a big profile. Getting a Brownlow was good. Oh yeah, good publicity. You know, I think he was pretty well received. It went a bit pear shaped later, but you know, I think I, he was good for um, he was good for the club from a promotional point of view. You know, they wrote a they wrote a beer ad for him. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the pull of going back to WA. You both you both in WA these days. Uh, playing for Western Australia. How, where does that sit in the uh, in the pantheon of your career, Suli? Um Well, I, I was had a bit of lucky timing when I first started out. I got to East Fremantle in 76 as a as a 21-year-old and in my second season early in the year, I, I kicked a bunch of goals and... Um, kick 99 I, for the year in 77, did you not? I think it might have been 96 or something, but I had I had... I started the year with a 12 and then a 3 and a 12. So I had sort of 27 in three weeks and, and sort of was getting a bit of publicity. But so that, that year, which was 77, um, they... Subiaco put together the first ever state of origin game. It wasn't it wasn't put together by WA Footy Commission or Waffle as it was known then. It was underwritten by Subiaco and a guy called Leon Larkin. Oh, um, wow. They took the punt. Um, you know, put up the they were they were terrified because the match there was a drawn grand final in Victoria that year. So 
Um, it was going to be played the week after that. Well, that put it back another week in WA. So it was October the 2nd or something like that. And Suvi would have been, you know, very worried that no one was going to turn up. Anyway, Victoria came over here, you know, expecting to, I think, waltz through it as usual. And um, and it's it's history now, the 77 State of Origin, that we beat them easily. And um, that was the WA football administration then said, oh, this state of origin doesn't look like a bad idea. And <laughs> and they took it over. So that was coached by um, – our co- coach was Polly Farmer. Captain was Barry Cable. Um, Barassi was coaching Victoria. Francis Burt was the captain. And I was lucky enough to be in that side with all the um, the, the um, Max Richardsons and the all, all the rest of the, the Neil Balms and all these guys, um, Gary Sidebottom and all these guys playing for WA. So I was lucky enough to be in that game and then I played a few state games after that. But that, that was probably the, the one that I had the most fortunate timing to be part of. What about you, WA footy for you, Polly? Um, yeah, I, I played though. Well, then as Sully said, those state of origin games became – pretty important. They used to play them on a Tuesday in Perth and they'd pack it out. Everyone had finished work and head down to Subi Oval and watch the the, uh, the State of Origin game. So from probably, I think, 83, 4, 5, probably for about five or six years. And West Australia were pretty competitive. We won, I played the three, 83, 4, 5. So they were pretty competitive and they, you know, they'd pack crowds of 45, 50,000 people at Subi and it was bigger than Ben Herb. Um, I think people enjoyed the opportunity for you know seeing Victorians playing here because everyone used to watch and one of the big things in West Australia with all the West Australians going over to Victoria the biggest thing was Sunday night everyone used to watch the winners, the winners yeah. ABC and it was huge you'd sit down you'd everyone hit home or go to the pub and sit down and watch the winners for an hour and watch all their you know all their local West Australians so to see for them to have the Victorians come over and play State of Origin was huge. I think it happened in uh, South Australia too. There was big crowds, but it was never received that great in West, in Victoria because they had the best footy on every Saturday. Every week, yeah. Victoria. So I played a few state games with all the guys, which was good. We had a few. I think we won three. We won the three I played in. The only problem I did, I having rucked all day on a Saturday <laughs> in Victoria, and then having to come and batter up in in uh, Tuesdays was always well. That was my excuse for maybe not having. A Great state games, but anyway, it was good, and you know we had uh, some good camaraderie and had some good players. So, and then of course seventy nine, the grand final win was was probably the highlight of uh, my West Australian career. Yeah, having uh, having had that was great, and uh, and uh, and the state games were obviously a highlight. Yeah, what are your memories of the nineteen eighty four Charles Sutton medal presentation, Polly? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should say that. Um, we were because in '83, I think we had the count, and I was maybe I think Royley won it, Choco won it that year, and I was maybe second or third. And then in '84, the count went through, and <laughs> Hawk was doing well, and I was doing well. I didn't have any real aspirations of thinking I'd win it, but anyway, the, the final vote, I think it was, I think we we're both pretty close, and the final votes came out, and I ended up winning it, and the Hawk family were. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I think the first time I got booed, and here's coming. Were you at the were you at the uh, at the night? Were you emceeing it? Probably. Yeah, did. I was. I was. <laughs> and we, we actually anyway. announced we announced Doug as the winner, and then Chief grabbed me, grabbed my coat, and pulled my coat down, and said, uh, hey, "Just tell everyone to cool their jets for five seconds." We've, I think we've made a mistake because he was watching the count as they were doing it on the on the paper, and right. uh, he said it's not right. And I think uh, I think Wayne Walsh was doing the votes, and they'd counted yeah, it right. wrong. So then we, after announcing that, or after it looking like Doug had won it, then oh, okay. I then had, had to announce that, that that you had actually won it, and Doug Doug and the entourage got up and walked out. 
I know it was. Um, it was. I, I mean, and then I, not, I used to know Mrs. Hawke was a great tree. I used to go. You know, we used, I used to be quite fond of her, and she used to be with me. She, we. I mean, I think we patched it up pretty soon next. And Hawk was always pretty good. Actually, it's funny. Yeah, you know, quickly, I was. We were when we first got to um, Footscray, Melbourne in '83. I had to go out to the club at Western Oval one afternoon. I said to Jenny, "You might as well come out and we'll show you around the footy oval." So we pull up at the car park, and just as we did, this this old ratty Ute or car pulled up next to me, and a guy jumped out and said, "G'day, Andy, how are you going?" And then said to Jenny, "G'day, love," and. He walked off, and then Jenny said, who the hell would that be? I said, oh, a guy called Doug Hawkins. He's meant to be their best player. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know what Hawks like, but he was fine. And then the next year, but he won it. No, 80, did he win in 85? Or? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so then everyone was, everyone was happy, and I was bloody happy, and I thought, you know, so it worked out fine in the end. So, And then 86, um, Hardy won it. And, I mean, I think 86 or 87. So, yeah, or McGuinness I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that day was a bit, a bit. It, it was a bit. Um, it's sort of a funny. I could, I could understand them. The you know the local hero. When uh, when your time at uh, the doggies came to an end, Surly, um, injury obviously f- forced that, and, and I believe Mick sort of grabbed you and said, "Well, we're not quite sure what's going to be happening." What yep. What were your thoughts then? Were you Were you going to go back to the West, or did Shane intervene again? It, well, it, it, yeah, I guess Shane O'Sullivan came into play again. Yeah, because. Um, Mick had sort of um, said, you know, your, your options are going to be limited. So I was, we were thinking, I guess, that we would probably be heading back to WA. Um, but uh, the Brisbane thing started to bubble up, and Shane had mentioned to me that um, he was looking at looking at heading up there. So I went and met with um, Ken Murphy and Paul Cronin and those guys, and um, got the the nucleus of what was happening up in Brisbane and. Uh, decided, um, yeah, okay, that's it, or hang them up. And um, Shane had sort of said, well, have a, have a go at footy administration. So that was entailing a move to Brisbane, obviously. Um, first job we had to do uh, basically was running around in Melbourne finding a coach, which was um, was ironic because um, uh, what's his name? What's the legendary Hawthorne coach? Alan James. Had, he'd, he'd mentioned Peter Knight, who Peter had was had gone back to Adelaide and I think it already might have put some money into a sports shop or whatever. But anyway, so Shane and co chased Peter Knights up and, and signed him up. And then I remember we went out to talk to um Rod Lester Smith out in a hotel in Hawthorne somewhere, which was probably, I don't know, it was that was that smart. It was never going to stay a secret. So next thing um Alan Jeans is on the phone and said, listen, listen, Buckos, I've I've given you your coach now. You're gonna start pinching my players too, are you? So <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, off we went to Brisbane, and um, that was a that was an interesting three years. There's quite a few stories up there. There was a the first year was Expo. There was the Fitzgerald Inquiry. There was um, plenty going on in Queensland. So um, yeah, it was and it, hey, but loved loved living there. Loved loved living in Brisbane. Three years it was a good experience. The home of Skullduggery. You were right. You were in the right place then. <laughs> Absolutely in the right place. Skates and who owned the, did Skates own the team? Well, the the license was taken by a group who then struggled financially. Yeah. So he he basically came in as the deputy. Paul Cronin was the chairman. Yeah. Um, the license was awarded to these people. Then they found the funding was going to be a struggle. So she Christopher came. Scase came in and underwrote the whole thing as deputy chairman. And um, you know, after a few years, obviously that that scenario changed for him. Yeah. Very strange. And and at the end of your time at the doggies. 
Well, it coincided with obviously your, your work as a stockbroker, but it was the, was the crash yeah, part well, of the big well, I, Black Monday say, crash? Just, yeah, well, funny you should say that. Uh, Steve Kernahan, well, I was watching him on the fun bar. Him and I, we used to be on the floor of the stock exchange and they'd won the, uh, the grand final. But, yeah, I remember in um, that Monday, Black Monday, in I was um, – we went to work and there was bloody bedlam and bloodshed on the stock exchange floor, and um, and then I said to Jenny, I said, look, this you know the stock market's going to be flat as a tack, and you know I'd really I'd, I'd run out of batteries really, and I said I think probably time to call it a day. So on that, uh, I think Simon said at the same time he was said, well the stock market's shit itself, so I'm going to keep playing for a couple more years. So <laughs> I think you've got a couple more years out of Beasley, and then I. Jenny and I, we headed back because our families and stuff were back in uh, Perth, so we we thought we had a good innings. And um, as Sully said, at six four five, I wasn't getting any taller, and, and some of those I didn't, you know, some of the big guys were getting a little bit harder to get over the top of. So I thought, while I'm in front, I'll head off. Just one quick one, Kev. I'm talking about coaches. Sully's talking about picking a coach. I had to quickly give you this story. Sully and I remember it well. In eighty, because we had Bluey Hampshire in eighty three, and then at the end of eighty three, there was. Um, Obviously, we had a switch came in, but in the in the summer of eighty, start of the preseason of eighty four, Jimmy was living with Shane in the in they were in a house together up in Doncaster. Anyway, we were running around the oval out at. Uh, 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 it wasn't a Footscray, it was over at Sun. It was at Barlow, out the back Barlow, there. Barlow, yeah, the yeah. uh, Footscray. You couldn't get on the, the problem with the, uh, the one of the things we found of coming from West Australia, all the footy ovals in West Australia are footy ovals in Melbourne, all <laughs> their yeah. footy and cricket. So bloody Merv Fuse and his crew wouldn't get off the uh, wouldn't get off the Footscray oval because they were always in finals. So we get on the oval about a week before um, the AFL, the, the footy season. Yeah, we're running around Barlow. And I'll, I'll, came- I'll just I'll just interject a bit of a lead up with what Polly's going to say. We so we'd be running around there. We'd we'd get there at you know five o'clock and be running around doing our warm up. And I was living up in. In Doncaster with Shane and the, the odd recruit used to come in at night. You know, I'd, I'd go off into another room out of the lounge room and Shane would be talking to, you know, someone from whatever club or whatever. And um, this particular time, um, uh, Mick Moldhouse was, came over and um, Shane was, was chatting with him and I, I just assumed that he was, I think he'd been retired for a year. I just assumed that he might be getting him as a player or something. Anyway, so I'm talking to Polly. You can go on from there, Paul. Then we're running around this oval doing a warm-up. And Sully came up to me and said, how are you going, Sully? He good. And he said, oh, Shane was talking to Mick Malthouse last night up at our house. So he'd be handy. He'd strengthen the back line, come back as a player for us. would be good. And I said, yeah, yeah, he'd be, he'd be give us a bit of experience in the back line. Anyway, next morning in the Sun Herald newspaper, there's a big thing on the back page of the Sun. Shane O'Sullivan refutes, you know, change, Footscray going to sack Hampshire and Malthouse to be coached. And Shane's in there quoted saying, no, we're not, you know, the big sort of front. No, we're not changing coaches. We're not doing anything. Anyway, Sully, <laughs> <laughs> next same you know, Tuesday next, night. Next night at training. Sully <laughs> runs past me and goes, what I told you yesterday, you know, that uh, Mick was at the house because, you know, Shane said, no, I haven't we've not made any Discussion with Malthouse, nothing. And me, and uh, Sully came running up to me. He said, What I told you last night, we're in tra- training. We better just pop that in your back pocket. Bury <laughs> <Carry> that, Polly. <laughs> anyway, about a, a day later, two days later, of course, you know, probably he got the buddy, um, got the axe, and uh, and Mick came in as, uh, you know, start of a fairly illustrious career for one Michael Malthouse. Yeah. Things you find out in Shane O'Sullivan's lounge room. <laughs> <so. laughs> Plenty of stories could have been told from plenty of the, the rooms and houses in, in those days. Post footy, uh, Polly, what's what's life these days? 
Um, well, I've got, you know, I got caught up in a little bit of um, footy back here. I, I coached or helped coach some of the state schoolboy teams for four or five years. We had some fairly good success. We had one team of 16s went to, uh, we went to Northern Territory, won the carnival. We had, I think, eight guys, nine guys from there went on. A guy called Des Headland won the medal and Andrew Emberley played centre fortress. Des um, Glass played full back. Hayes will be played centre. So we had we had a pretty loaded team. And then uh, after that, my son, he was sort of went into basketball. I sort of went and sort of followed basketball over the last 20 years with him being playing. But, yeah, no, we're, um, Jenny and I, we settled back here. I was uh, finance accounting. I've been doing really pretty much for, you know, ever since we've been back in Perth um, and really uh, just, yeah, just enjoying the Perth lifestyle. But trying to get to Melbourne at least once a year or so. And Brian Cordy and Karen have always, they've, for some reason, they've adopted West Australian as their sort of second state. They come over every once or twice a year. And when the Bulldogs come over, we always used to you know, we always go to the games um, with uh, with the Cordys. But now that uh, now that Zane's over in St Kilda, I'm not sure what's going to happen. But we've followed the Bulldogs from afar and it's been good value. And having the Bulldogs here in, uh, of course, the grand final, everyone adopted a side and half of Western Australia adopted the Bulldogs, and half, which was great to see all these Bulldog scarves and people ringing up, you haven't got a Bulldog scarf, have you? So I was handing out Bulldog scarf left, right and centre. It was a great day. Um, even though the result wasn't great, but uh, it's been good to you know, it's been good to watch the Bulldogs. Actually, actually, Kev Brian Brian Cordy was telling a funny story when he was over here that one of those years he was travelling up north and he was up in um, uh, okay where was it it was Broome it was Broome at the Divers Hotel. So anyway, he's he's over in one corner on a Friday night or whatever watching a TV. There's a, there's eight TVs around the place and most of them have got the Eagles or somebody on. But Brian's over watching um, Footscray and Carlton on a screen in the corner, and there was another bloke seemed to be standing near him that was paying some attention to the same game and. So eventually, you know, they were next to each other and sort of said, oh, are you watching this game? He said, yeah, yeah, my son's playing. Brian said, oh, yeah, my son's playing. Zane Cordy there. And so the other guy said, yeah, that's that's my son, Patrick Cripps. Um, <laughs> and they were playing on each other. You know? <laughs> oh, goodness me. Small world sometimes, isn't it? What about yeah. life for you post-footy, post Surly? What are you up to? I came back here and I was um, in the pub and bottle shop game with Budge for a while. Yep. Um, and then I um, we went into a um, bedshed franchise for a while, which is, you know, bedpost, captain snooze, that sort of thing. Then bought a bookshop, um, an Angus and Robertson franchise, which we had for 21 years or so. After about 13 years, Angus and Robertson franchisors sent that thing bottom up. Don't start me on that. But So we just called ourselves Rockingham Books, um, half an hour south of Perth and 21 years in that. Then COVID came, sort of semi-retirement. I'm I'm just working part-time with a fellow I went to school with who owns a bookshop in Perth called Boffins, which is a, a technical specialist shop. Um, I'm part-time in there. I catch the train in and out. Yeah, life's, life's pretty leisurely. You've got five grandkids. They keep us going. Lovely to catch up with you both. Uh, you both sound and look terrific. Good, good health and happiness to you both. And thanks, thanks so much for spending some time with me. No way. All the best. I hope we see you. Moo, I catch up during the year in the uh, at, at the footy. Yep, would be would be wonderful. Ross Abbey does a great job for the past mm. players. I mean, he's a yeah. he's a doyen. He's uh, they get a good following here too. It's really it's a good night, and uh, there's a lot of bully supporters come to the uh, you know to the function here. So it's a good one. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much, Kev. Good on you, gents. Thank you so much. See you soon. 
we can get a win for the bullies in the next couple of weeks. Oh, that'd be handy. <laughs> that'd be very handy. <laughs> Thanks, Polly. Thanks, Jim. See ya. See you guys. See you guys. Cheers. Bye. Terrific to catch up with Andrew Purser and Jim Sewell, a couple of great players and great blokes who enjoyed many a cold beverage with them after some of those frosty old games in that, uh, in that mid part of the 80s. It was fantastic to catch up with them and I'm glad that uh, they're both doing really well and their families are well also. Uh, now actually, I looked up that uh, 1983 game against Geelong, the first game they both played in uh, at Waverley in front of about 20,000 people. Scores were even up till three-quarter time and then uh, the Cats kicked seven in the last quarter to finish up winning by 31 points. There were 10 debutants for the club that day. Uh, Jimmy Searle, Andrew Purser, Brian Royal, John Taylor, Steve Wallace and Raccoon Williams, Ian Williams, who we talked about uh, during the podcast. And club debuts uh, had already played for other clubs that made their debut for the Doggies that day. Stephen Lunn, Robbie Simmons, Chris Hanson, who was mentioned, and Mark Kelly. Uh, blokes that we've uh, seen of recent times in the past players. In fact, uh, Chris Hansen got his uh, jumper uh, just a couple of weeks back, uh, presented by uh, by Rick Kennedy. So, hope you enjoyed this edition of the Two Dogs Podcast. Please hope to see you at a game pretty soon. All I can say now is, go the doggies. But you can't be-